and to really focus in your ideals um, and think about your sort of like long term, not just your long term, like 20, 30, 40 years, right? We're talking about seven generations down the line. Once I'm real dead, all the way dead, like what kind of world will I have created for the descendants, you know? Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast. Where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the high Allegheny Plateau in central New York. We are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 62, a look at the astrology of 2022 with Zamboni Funk. Zamboni is an astrologer and herbalist, and we interviewed him on episode 12, so you can look at that if you want to hear his story. In this episode, we talk about the year ahead. We look at the context the 200 years of Saturn-Jupiter conjunctions and air signs, so that's like a 200-year cycle. The Uranus cycle, which is an 84-year cycle, and that's going to hit in 2025, and that comes at very um, critical moments in the U.S. history. And then also the U.S.'s Pluto return, and this uh, Uranus and Saturn square that's been hitting us all of 2021, and is going to continue through 2022. It won't be exact, but it will be, you know, in orb, and it will be uh, conditioning a lot of 2022. And we take a look at what Venus is doing, what Mercury's doing, what Mars is doing, Jupiter, everybody, what they're, everyone's doing in 2022. But there are some good moments for gardening, like uh, May. May is going to be a great time to get stuff done, projects done. You have energy for that with the Jupiter and Aries. We've got some lovely times for parties and getting together in early April. And also April 8th, we have a Jupiter and Neptune conjunction in Pisces, which is really interesting. And that might be a good time to uh, scry or dream big. (laughs) So um, we're going to get into the episode now. And as usual, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash plant cunning. You can find Zamboni on Instagram and on Patreon and at his website, zambonifunk.com. And uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. And I hope you enjoy 2022 too. Happy New Year. Okay, today we're super excited to welcome Zamboni Funk back to the Plant Cunning Podcast. How are you doing, Zamboni? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely. Um, So if folks want to listen to the last episode we had with Zamboni, it's episode 12, Zamboni on Star Logic. So definitely check that out. And Zamboni, you're an herbalist, an astrologer. You do natal charts and consultations, electional astrology, and um, weekly and even like daily forecasts on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I do dailies on Instagram, so I do reels, so they're one minute long where I just talk about whatever's going on today. It's a, you know, just a quick snapshot of things, and then on uh, Sundays I do a ten to fifteen minute weekly forecast talking about sort of the the more important or uh, kind of the more major transits that are going to be happening through throughout the week. I also do a monthly forecast. Those aren't video. I write those. Uh, those are f- on for uh, my homie at Bread and Butter. So that's Bread X 
B-U-T-T-A, Bread, Eggs, Butter. Um, and so you can find that at bread, breadandbutter.com, uh, where I do a monthly forecast there, which is written. So I do, I do a lot of these forecasts. And then in my own work, my primary thing is electional. And so that's actually how I treat the forecast as well is electional astrology. So electional astrology quickly, um, elections are just like choices, you know, so you, you make a choice is to make an election or a selection. And so electional astrology is making a choice to start something at a particular time because the stars are uh good for it or whatever right mm -hmm. and so um, whenever i'm doing my forecasts even then i'll look to see what is this sky good for so um this is a little bit different than like uh you've had like uh, john michael greer on and um and did you talk to chris warnock one time i think mm -hmm. yeah um, warnock yeah yeah and so so these these folks they translated to picatrix and so the picatrix that is very much about sort of like ignoring the bad times and then launching at the particularly good time and um i do do that kind of thing but because we live on a day-to-day -day, then i always will look at uh the the so-called bad transits and be like okay well what is this good for uh -huh. and so um that that is that's my whole approach Mm -hmm. And so I do that. So you can find all that at zambonifunk.com. Um, you can find me uh, patreon.com slash zambonifunk as well, where I do that. I do an electional report there. I have a lot of this sort of like um, upcoming, here are the good times and here are some bad times. Maybe here are some bad times where you maybe need to wait because the moon looks super crazy. Like um, one of my, I'm also a musician. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the funk part of the Zamboni funk. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I have always found to be true about music is that the rests are as important as the notes. Oh, yeah. And so um, I take this to, to be true in the way that I approach time generally, that there are good times to maybe not try to make aggressive moves on things so that you can maximize your performance. And so um, that's the way that I that I sort of operate. That's all. That's the work that I do. I love it. And I love your style of teaching and sharing, and you just make things super accessible with examples and super fun. So I definitely recommend that folks check you out on Patreon and your website and Instagram. Um, like, well, thank you. Yeah, totally. And I love like uh, whenever we interview astrologers, uh, speaking of the electional thing, we're always like, why don't you pick the time? <laughs> Right. the interview <laughs> we're, we're interviewing uh judith hill later in the month and she was like i got the we're just do it this time uh, <laughs> we're like sure yeah. <laughs> right yeah judith hill is not playing around that lady <laughs> no. is so serious <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be fun though yeah so um how was your 2021 how was your last year was there anything that stood out um in the astro weather that surprised you or that was right on Ooh, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good <laughs> question. So 2021, well, <clears throat> in 2021, we had some pretty, uh, major stuff taking place. So, um, it, it sort of began with, uh, at the end of 2020, really in December of 2020, uh, Saturn and Jupiter conjoined in, uh, at the very first degree of Aquarius. So at zero degrees of Aquarius, Saturn and Jupiter conjoined. And this is a big deal because um, this sets off a 200 year cycle where wherein every 20 years, Saturn and Jupiter are going to conjoin and they're going to conjoin in signs of air triplicity or the in air element. So Aquarius is an air sign and then they'll make 
conjunctions for the next 200 years, every 20 years in either Aquarius, Gemini, or Libra. And so um, this happens for a period of 200 years prior to this, then we had been having uh, Saturn Jupiter conjunctions in earth signs. And so when we think about Saturn and Jupiter then, and their conjunctions, then they sort of speak to, so Saturn is um, boundaries, or limitations, obstacles, challenges, things of this nature, we can think about um, sort of like the the oneness of all of the, the, the whole universe is all the one thing, right? It's all the one soup of stuff. But then we sort of uh, perceive of boundaries between ourselves and whatever else is out there. There's a difference between me and you, right? There's space between us and that sort of stuff. We can think about Saturn as uh, delineating those boundaries and, and giving rise to individuality by way of that. Jupiter, on the other hand, um, is more sort of like uh, spiritual or wisdom or gnosis, these kinds of things. Um, there, there's a joy and a positivity and a meaning uh, to the way that Jupiter likes to operate. And so I like to think about this as like uh, Saturn as being the kind of structural capacity and Jupiter as being the sort of uh, spirit or the, the thing inside it that sort of makes it meaningful or possible, this kind of thing, right? So when we're talking about um, Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions happening uh, in a particular element, then we're looking at the basic structure of reality and how the basic structure of reality is uh, sort of constituted in the way that we can go about thinking about things or, or existing in the world. So for the last 200 years, we've been in earth signs. So we can think about the basic structure of reality being very kind of materialist, having to do with um, the, the, the actual structure of things, the, the material component of things. Um, we can see a lot of kind of like uh, land grabbing going on. We can see a lot of uh kind of you know the the money matters a lot here and and money material is reductionism. say again M material reductionism too you know that's oh yeah for sure for sure yeah um right Th this is the time period during which um you know biomedical science sort of uh, starts to make the claim that bodies are only bodies so that they are not inhabited by spirit or or that they are not that they that mind isn't a real thing we sort of see that sort of stuff coming up in a big way um also the the main power players are, get really interested in stuff like coal during this time you know what i mean the the idea of like actual dirt or fossils themselves being the the measure of value whereas as we move into the air triplicity so we're a two, 200 year period of time where air is the way that we constitute reality, then now we're looking at more, um, we're, we're looking at information. Um, I think it was Alison McDowell who said that data is the new coal. And so this idea of, and, and we can see this happening with like social media and, and big data and this sort of stuff, right? There's a, there's a lot of data harvesting going on and this is the measure of power and this is the measure of um, how people get their money now, especially big, big money. Um, that The information is the way that that is transmitted. So that's a long way of saying that that is how 2021 began and that that is, so, so, Oh, to answer your question about like what what kind of things I went through or sort of like in, enjoyed or or got into this year, um, I I really 
really spent a lot of time with information and story and narrative as a way of existing in the world and a way of sort of like being in place, you know, because like, uh, even though we're no longer in the Earth's triplicity, that doesn't mean that uh, the Earth doesn't matter anymore, that land isn't a thing anymore, right? <clears throat> it means instead that um, we're, there's a different new way to approach that, you know? And so, um, so I spent a lot of time on land, on country. Um, I went to Costa Rica for a little while. Um, that was fun. I was actually in a ninth house year. So um, if you use the technique called annual perfections, then you start um, in your first year of life at the, in, with the first house and first house concerns are the things that uh, matter most to you. And then in the second year of your life, you move to the second house, et cetera, et cetera, on around the Zodiac and it just repeats. And so last year I was in a ninth house year um, and the ninth house has to do with foreign travel and this kind of thing. And I ended up going to Costa Rica for a fairly long period of time. I spent about six months there. Um, and while I was in Costa Rica, I was really engaging with mind and story and, and uh, some of this more kind of nebulous back and forth, um, volatile, changeable stuff rather than kind of being rooted in place. And so I thought that that was really interesting. Um, that was, that's also, you know, time while uh, I spent a bunch of that time while Jupiter was in Pisces as well. And so Jupiter in Pisces there with Neptune as well. That's going to be super dreamy and, um, you know, having some some, you know, otherworldly ways of associating with things. While I was there, I was deep into psychedelic medicine and, and all this sort of stuff and getting into the, the kind of like deep nuances of all that. And so it all and, and really engaging with wisdom and meaning and that sort of stuff at that time. And so that was, that was really interesting for me, I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like a good time to, to do that kind of stuff. Ninth year perfection and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, the, that the air triplicity age is, is really interesting to me. It, it seems like we're, you know, it's defining the next 200 years. Right. But mm -hmm. um, I, like, I can see like, old systems failing and like it's, it feels to me like we're at, at the end of the age or, or at the at a beginning of an age but i also feel like we're in limbo especially in the u.s and listening to uh rune soup year ahead podcast episode with austin and gordon it kind of some things kind of clicked in regards to the uranus cycle and how in the U.S. we're going to be coming to uh, another end of the Uranus cycle, which started with, like, I guess, when the U.S. was started, you know, in the, the Revolutionary mm -hmm. War and then the Civil War and then the U.S.'s um, entrance into World War II. And then we're having this, it's right on schedule for another epoch-changing moment for the U.S., um, and I kind of feel like we're straddled in between these two worlds. It's like you can kind of plan stuff, but, you know, we're going to be living in a different world in five to 10 years. It's kind of hard to, uh, right. yeah, do that. So do, do you think you could give our listeners a little bit of a big picture as to, you know, we have the air triplicity going on, which is the 200 year cycle. We have the Uranus cycle. We also have the Pluto return of the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, I mean, especially our U.S. listeners, I know that. You know, we don't have just U.S. listeners, but probably most of most of, of, of you are are here. So maybe starting with the Uranus cycle, like what does yeah, that mean like, for us? Yeah. Can you situate us in time? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. 
So Uranus is one of the slower moving planets. It takes about 84 years to move around the Zodiac. And so, uh, so the, we're, we're already, when we're looking at that, we're looking at long swaths of history, right? We're looking at a, a whole human life per, perhaps. And so um, when the United States began, a lot of folks use the uh, Sibley chart for that. So that's July 4th, 1776. It's got Sagittarius rising. And um, in that chart, then Uranus was in Gemini. And so when Uranus comes around back to Gemini, then that is called a Uranus return. And uh, so it's the same thing as like a Saturn return, for example, when you turn 27 or 30 or whatever, then uh, Saturn moves back to the same sign that it was in at the time of your birth. And uh, you go through some Saturn stuff at that time. And the Uranus return is sort of the same deal. So at every 84 years or so, then Uranus comes back to the same place that it was in the Zodiac and Uranus things happen in that moment. So in the United States chart, that's in the chart or in the uh, area of the chart, which is associated with other people, with the other party. And um, the and with Uranus, then we see, uh, you know, sudden or unexpected things that want to show up. Um, you know, there's there's a a lot of times when when we deal with Uranus, then there's something about, you know, genuine authenticity or being true to oneself in some kind of way. And uh, Uranus cares so very deeply about liberation, uh, much more than it cares about security or safety. Uh, Uranus wants to be free. Uranus wants to move around freely and, and sort of exercise its own uh, ideas about what's going on in the world or, or how to live uh, itself, right? March, Uranus marches to the beat of its own drum. So um, the first time that Uranus came back to uh, to Gemini after the United States was born, then we had the Civil War. And so um, we can see how this is a deeply divisive moment in United States history um, and was potentially unexpected, especially from the from the standpoint of the 70, 1776, you know, I don't know that they would have envisioned uh, the the whole situation with states' rights and and slavery and and all this sort of stuff. The the idea of an ever expanding union, sort of like trying to figure out how to manage all of that stuff, and then all of these deep rifts showing up throughout the whole thing. And um, that's kind of one of the things that we spoke about um, before we hit the record button is the the nature of the United States is. Uh, it is a heterogeneous project by its nature, right? It's it's this you know the the great American melting pot or whatever. Some people have called it a toss salad, which I think is also hilarious <laughs> <in the> way, <laughs> way to think about uh, the repressive sexuality of the United States. Yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know so the, this idea of like uh, hetero heterogeneity right this this difference between or diversity between individuals showing up uh in a in a really major way um and and having having diverse opinions about things and all this sort of stuff is is baked into the nature of the country and so then at the time of the civil war it comes back and it's it's like you know like we we have to really deeply engage that so um, so that's like something that is potentially divisive. What's uh, what's also interesting in that moment is that um, Mars is retrograde in Gemini during that time period as well. Mm. So, um, so that's that's something interesting to think about. Then um, moving Mars forward, is going well. Mars is going retrograde into Gemini later this year too. So, 
Yes, 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 it is. And so that you're correct that that is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about that. Um, <laughs> the other time that Uranus was in Gemini and Mars was also retrograde in Gemini at the same time, uh, or like did a retrograde in Gemini during this period is in World War II. So World War II, um, you know, again, so, so this is a deeply divisive moment in the world. Um, and what I think is honestly very important about this time is so if we're thinking about gemini gemini is an air sign it's a it's a mercury ruled air sign and so um this is a time world war ii is a time when uh, major propaganda campaigns start really hitting the masses during this time you know this is when we get rosie the riveter and uh we get major campaigns around um you know like eating liver and things like that you know like because there's there there are shortages going on and and the idea is to get everybody on board with the war this is when uncle sam wants you and um all that kind of stuff we get a, a lot of these major propaganda campaigns throughout here as well um austin and uh uh chris and lisa um in their uh year ahead forecast um the on the astrology podcast um lisa mentioned um uh fdr's fireside chats right and so you know so first quick uh you know the fireside chat in is pretty mars and gemini in the first place right the, the like talking next to the fire right <laughs> yeah um, um but then you know again so this is this is the this is a situation where fdr is like really trying to get into people's heads and get them like in a place where everybody can be on the same on the same page in order to fight a war together. So um, I think that there's something really interesting about that situation. And so that's Uranus and Gemini, uh, the the second Uranus return of the United States. And now we are coming up. So currently we have Uranus and Taurus. Taurus is the sign that comes before Gemini. And so, uh, you know, Uranus will be firmly in Gemini by 2025. And so we are now looking at uh, anticipating the this third Uranus return of the United States. Um, Gordon White, who you mentioned before, um, has called this the great American divorce uh, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, it remains to be seen what what kind of things will show up. But I, but my personal guess is that um, the this issue of states' rights is going to show up in a in a very major way, and we're going to have to engage that. in in some kind of way that's uh, really important. Now, one of the things that I think is really important here as well is you mentioned the Pluto return of the United States as well, right? So um, Pluto is, so again, this is a return, same way, just like the Saturn return, just like the Uranus return. Pluto in the Sibley chart was in Capricorn uh, at the time of the, the birth of the United States. Pluto has now gone around one time. So this is our first Pluto return. And the United States is going to deal with Pluto things around this same time that uh, we're we're sort of like moving into a new uh, era of the whole world and this kind of stuff, right? So Pluto is the one who has to do with the underworld and things that are dead, or we can think about um, obsession, or we can think about abuse or any of these kinds of things. And if we think about the history of the United States and um, its founding, which was, you know, like, it was necessarily heterogeneous. It was it was also necessarily a slave owning institution. It was also necessarily, um, you know, like uh, genocide of 
the the indigenous people and not just the indigenous people who uh you know walk on two legs but all of the 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 peoples who lived in this in this space beforehand we can think about the buffalo and um the the salmon and and all these kinds of things right uh yeah. which have been destroyed such that the american project can can uh move forward toward it its so-called manifest destiny right and so there is a the the united states has a huge body count and uh, we're at a moment where Pluto returns, right? Pluto is the, the name of both the deity who rules over and the space of the underworld. Sometimes this is called Hades as well. That's the Greek term, Pluto is the Roman. Um, so if we think about this idea of the return of the dead or the return of the underworld themes here, then it looks like um, you know the, there has been a, la a large cost of um, generating the country that we now live in. And so it, it's going to be time to, to pay that cost, it looks like. And so it looks like a really sort of like uh, tumultuous and, and also interesting and exciting moment in the history of the United States slash world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so mean, I only quickly, I just want to say that, like, I only say slash world there because the United States is clearly a major player in, uh, in global affairs. Yeah. And so no matter what happens, you know, the, uh, the Gordon, Gordon always talks about the, the great American divorce and the fall of the uh, Western Empire and things of this nature. So perhaps this isn't going to be an always kind of situation. But as it stands right now, um, when major things happen in the United States, then uh, it, the world feels the ripples. Hmm. Yeah. And I, for me, like looking at those that 84 year cycle. I mean, those are times when the U.S.'s nature has been changed drastically. And the mm -hmm. last one, the entrance into World War II, I mean, that was when the U.S. went from like a regional empire into the half of the world empire. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I kind of feel like that's what we're, we're, we're already, <laughs> it's like, we already aren't the, uh, the imperial superpower that we like to th think we are. And I say we, but you know, the American <laughs> America, whatever that is. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I feel like this uh, 84 year cycle with Uranus is like, and we're going to, we're not going to be that anymore. You know, I think I, that to me, that, that seems pretty clear. Like we already aren't, but uh, yeah. That, and Gordon talks about like a multipolar world and that makes a lot of sense too coming into the future. Um, but I don't see the U S being the dominant superpower that it is considered right now, you know, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. It's not going to be very long. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Gordon quotes Martin Armstrong as saying that uh, Beijing is the capital of, uh, is the financial capital of the world by 2032. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that, so I mean, by, when you say not very long, we're, we're talking about 10 years. Yeah, but I, I mean, even in between now and then, <laughs> um, there, you know, we, we could see some some drastic uh, chain change ups. I mean, like you know, by then you know the dollar might not be in existence, but we we don't really know. But it is in, really interesting that all these things are lining up right in these the early to mid twenty twenties. Um, and Uranus is in Gemini until the early thirties, right? Mm -hmm. 25 to 32. 25 so Uranus yeah. spends about seven years in about in, in any sign. I guess okay. that's a, yeah, so late. Um, so 
but looking at Uranus and looking at Saturn, though, that also kind of defines last year and this year coming up. Like, and that's kind of why, like Austin mm-hmm. was saying, 2022 is kind of like the second half of 2021. Uh, but like the highs are higher, the lows are lower. Um, and is is that mostly because of this this Uranus Saturn square dance happening? Well, yeah, so the Saturn Uranus is definitely a major thing that we need to take into account. Um, this, this again, this is another one of these things that like has been going on throughout 2021. And so I don't expect, well, <laughs> I don't expect surprises. That's not true. Um, it's Uranus. So we always ex- expect surprises with Uranus, right? <laughs> yeah. but, um, but I, I expect that the things, the themes that we are, that we have to engage throughout 2022 are themes that we will be familiar with because we've been seeing the Saturn Uranus square throughout 2021. So quickly, let's just talk about what that is. So I mentioned already that Saturn is the planet of boundaries, limitations, challenges, obstacles, uh, discipline, hard work. Saturn likes to make order out of the world. Saturn likes for things to uh, make sense and to sort of be uh, discreet, uh, you know, uh, by, and by discreet, I mean like uh, ETE on that one. So like uh, each one is a its own individual unit. You know, we, it's, it's orderly the way that Saturn likes to do it. Saturn likes things to be predictable and safe whenever possible. Uh, one of my favorite Saturn words is system, right? And so that that can be from all the way from like the system, right? Or we can talk about systemic racism or something something like this, right? Or it can be all the way down to like, when I'm folding my laundry, I have a system, right? So there's this sense of like, doing it in a particular way, because it's efficient, or something like this, the management of the thing, that's what Saturn wants to do. And so Saturn is in Aquarius is at home in Aquarius in uh, a sign that is ruled by Saturn. So Saturn is very strong in this position, able to do the Saturn things Saturnly. And, um, and so that that's kind of like what's going on with Saturn, then Uranus is in Taurus making a square aspect to that Saturn. A square aspect is one of our uh, difficult and conflicting aspects. It's one of the ones that shows uh, tension, conflict. Um, It shows that Uranus and Taurus, which prefers liberation, which prefers volatility, which prefers freedom, that Uranus is going to have conflict. It's going to see with that Saturn. It's going to see the things that that Saturn is doing and be like, I hate that. I'm I'm not going to follow those rules. I refuse to do that. And so there's going to be this sort of like uh, tension between the ordering principle and the liberation principle. And um, so we've seen that a lot throughout 2021, Yeah, you know, um, especially as we have, you know, and this is all coming on the heels as well of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which also happened in 2020, right? So Saturn-Pluto conjunction happened at the end of Capricorn uh, toward the beginning of 2020. And that sort of like, uh, you know, that initiated the sort of corruption of the empire that existed already. Right. So there there was there was stuff that was already sort of like falling apart or whatever. And then 2020 made it made it clear that that shit was not going to work anymore. And so um, and that that things started to fall apart throughout that time period and uh, that things really needed readjusting. And so the with Saturn Pluto. So um, I spoke a little bit before about 
Pluto being sort of obsessive or something like this. Pluto can also be thought of as a, a huge magnifier. We can think about how uh, telescopes or microscopes are associated with Pluto, this kind of thing, taking something that's very small and making it very large. Um, right. We can, right. So like Saturn with Pluto is like super Saturn, right? It magnifies that Saturn really big. So when we, when we think about Saturn as like uh, preferring safety, for example, or preferring isolation or these kinds of things, th those things became major, major themes in 2020. Um, and, the, and sort of like organizing and managing the whole world, the way that we uh, do our worlding is sort of takes as a foundational principle, this idea of management and isolation, right? So we yeah. saw that happen. And so um, as we moved into 2021, then we saw resistance to that. We've, we've seen people being like, no, this is, this is not the way to be. And that we're, we've seen Saturn kind of like continuing to uh, try to make an orderly empire, but having to deal with the, the sort of resistance from that Uranus and, and that coming from strange places sometimes so that, you know, that uh, it's been sort of upending our basic ideas about uh, sort of like the political left versus the political right, for example, it's, you yeah. know, it, there, there, there's much confusion as to what constitutes left and right anymore. Um, and, and these kind of, you know, basic things that we, we sort of t took for granted, um, those kinds of things are kind of like uh, flipping out on us now. We can also say things like uh, fluctuations in the price. Uh, Austin loves talking about the fluctuations in the price of beef. That dude cannot stop talking about beef. Um, <laughs> well, you know, Uranus and Taurus, it makes sense. Right, right. It fits really well, right? Um, or, you know, we can look at just the things that we think are valuable in general and, um, and see how those things um, have, have wavered in price and how, and how um, we can sort of like yeah um, you know or uh like being together in physical space is this valuable or is it not valuable right yeah, is well, it a thing right so like for a long time people had been talking about how very important it is for people to receive hugs and stuff like this and then now we're sort of in a space where it's like oh actually zoom meetings are just as good and so there's a this question <laughs> around um like what actually is valuable and what does it mean so taurus you know uh Taurus is really big on the the physical stuff. There's a there's a visceral visceral or sensual component to the way that Taurus operates, and so that um, as resistance to the Saturnian isolationist empire, I think is uh, one of the major things that's going on in 2021. We, we see that continue throughout 2022, although um, their their aspect, their square aspect. Um, perfected three times in 2021 and will not go perfect again in 2022 throughout much of the year that is still in operation that's still what's going on and we'll we'll see those things coming up throughout the whole year right so they're not perfect but they're still an orb most, most oh yeah without a doubt yeah so yeah so that's a really interesting you know context of what you know, what's going on here. And I also, I just realized something else about Taurus, you know, I'm still learning about, about astrology, but, um, me too, man. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you gotta be right. Everyone's you can never learn everything about it. Um, but I, I really don't know that much. Um, but so cows you, for every, uh, culture descended from cow herding cultures, cow is money. Cow is wealth. Cow is mm -hmm. like movable wealth. 
So that's kind of interesting too, like the, all the fluctuations in, and yeah, in wealth that's uh, happening. And, you know, again, <laughs> you will see something like all the, the Bitcoin and everything like that too. But so to, as a practical thing for our listeners um, and Rune Soup talked about this and I, you know, uh, I think they talked about it on the astrology podcast too, but like, you know, it's good, good to have uh, some beans and rice, you know, stockpiled. It's good to have some beef in the freezer, uh, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, we're going to be looking at like even more inflation of uh, food. And mm-hmm. uh, so, and, and we're not going to be able to have certain things like all the transportation difficulties and empty shelves. So that's just going to keep going and getting even worse. And that, that also part of that is the, the Jupiter, right? Like the Jupiter is expansion and Jupiter going into Pisces. Um, they talked about this little on the astrology podcast is like, this could also add to the inflation. Do you see that as, uh, as happening with the Jupiter? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the astrology aside, I don't right. really feel <laughs> like inflation is going to turn around. You know what I mean? I don't think we're, yeah. we're going to a place where we're, uh, you know, where, where there are going to be fewer dollars on the market or something like this. You know what I mean? Uh, with the way that they're printing dollars and these kinds of things, paper money, like, you know, that, that sort of stuff just seems like it's, it's happening already. Right. Um, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily like we're going to see huge inflation with Jupiter and Pisces. And then when Jupiter moves into Aries, it's going to like where the inflation is going to cool off or something like right, that. You know, right, right. like um, I don't necessarily think that we can time it to Jupiter and Pisces. OK, um, I think that Jupiter and Pisces, you know, um, it looks like it wants to be a time where things get really imaginative. Right. And so Chris Brennan's favorite example is Bitcoin. Right. So this idea that uh, and and so and Chris Brennan likes talking about Bitcoin, especially in relationship to Uranus and Taurus. We've got Uranus and Taurus uh, dealing with value systems, things that we think are valuable and Uranus being like, oh, well, what about things that you hadn't thought about before? Like, what if we turn some ones and zeros into actual value? Right. Which is kind of the same principle of being like, oh, what if we turned this paper into value? Right. It's kind of like that it doesn't necessarily inherently have value, but because you say it does, it, mm-hmm. it does. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a similar principle there. And um, so Jupiter and Pisces is going to make a sextile aspect to Uranus and Taurus. And actually from an electional perspective, um, the, which is how I'm always operating, right? Um, this really looks great to me. It looks like a really, uh, powerful opportunity to bring one's weird dreams into fruition. You and know, when, to when to does make, that go down? Um, the exact sextile? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> that it, it's uh, it's like early in the year. It's probably like March or something like this. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Jupiter gets into Pisces, and then the whole time that Jupiter is in Pisces from. The December 29th, I think tomorrow, Jupiter is going to go into Pisces and then um, we'll be there until May 15th, 13th, something like this. Then um, throughout that whole time, Jupiter is going to be making a whole sign sextile aspect to uh, Uranus and Taurus. And then um, at that same time, then uh, Venus and Mars are going to be in Capricorn together and they're going to be making this sextile or uh, they're going to be making yeah a sextile to Jupiter and a trine 
to Uranus. And so that that looks like a, a time period where there's a lot of passion here. There's a lot of excitement for uh, whatever whatever the Jupiter and Pisces dreaminess is and uh, and maybe an ability or or a desire to um, you know, spit into the wind for a minute, like try something different. Like what maybe, maybe it won't work, but like this, this looks like a time period where things are really hopeful. Like, uh, you know, I'm gonna fuck around and find out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to say fuck on your show? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, cool. <laughs> all I have to do is, uh, label it as explicit and it's fine. No one cares. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So Jupiter is going into Pisces right now. So another thing that's happening right now is um, Venus, right? So mm-hmm. Venus is retrograde, and that's kind of like a, a big story for the first quarter to half of the year is like Venus going retrograde, and then like getting going uh, in conjunct with Mars, and, and then yeah, in March she's besieged mm-hmm. by Mars and Saturn. That doesn't sound fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not fun on the Venus stuff, right? So, well, so let let's rewind here for a little bit. Okay. So, let's go back to uh I think it was December 19th, 2021, uh Venus stationed retrograde at 28 degrees of Capricorn. And so that is closely conjunct Pluto at 26 degrees of Capricorn. So, we've got Venus and Pluto closely conjunct for a long period of time, for weeks Prior to that station, we've had Venus in Capricorn slowing down, hanging out with that Pluto for a long time. Venus is going to go backward for a little while, is going to ultimately station direct on, oh, I should know this. What is it, like the 26th of um, January? And so, so throughout that time, so Venus retrograde, Venus is moving backwards in zodiacal order, right? So this is Venus sort of like looking into review or something like that of Venus things. Venus likes to talk about harmony or desire or the things that you like, the things that you want, the things that uh, we, we can think about um, like heart matters, right? Where where your your heart is involved in some kind of way. Uh, Interestingly, there's a there's a close correlation between Venus and desire and Pluto and obsession. Right. Uh-huh. So yeah. This idea that Pluto uh, really wants it. Right. And there's there's something there uh, about their them being together that I think is really interesting, especially given the whole Saturn Pluto situation that gave us context for this whole moment, right? The way that uh, Austin described that, that I think is really good is like Saturn Pluto is something super heavy, right? He imagined um, a large object colliding with the earth and generating a crater. And so even though we are we are not actually under that object anymore, Saturn Pluto has moved on, we're, we're into some different stuff now, we are still in the wake of that. And so the, the, the landscape is shaped by that moment, right? And we can see this by Venus retrograde happening with Pluto there. Um, a little bit later, v, uh, Mercury retrograde is gonna station with that Pluto. Um, we're, this, it's like a theme, over and over. So um, actually, at the beginning of the year, Mercury stations direct. So uh, a retrograde Mercury is going to station direct and begin to move forward on top of that Pluto. Late in the year, Mercury is going to station uh, retrograde on top of that Pluto. So we are going to continue to have to deal with this Pluto stuff, with this these, um, these sort of deep underworld themes. 
at the beginning of the year, right now, where we're where we're sort of sitting with it is Venus retrograde, right? And so we're looking at desire, and um, I've been thinking about this as like desires that you maybe shouldn't have, or that are dangerous, or things like this, things that you feel like you don't deserve, or or um, you know maybe <clears throat> or perhaps things that you feel like you do deserve, right? If we're looking at um, toxicity and abuse and things like that, a lot of times people sort of like <clears throat> get into this idea of like oh i deserve to be poorly treated or these kinds of things right there's a there's a kind of um fascination with feeling terrible that shows up doom scrolling right this kind of thing um and the way that people are addicted to their phones and stuff like that i think there's something really uh potent and salient about that and what i really like about this <clears throat> is like i said so uh, once Venus stations direct and starts moving forward in Capricorn, then Mars is going to be there with her. And so this gives us a nice 40 day opportunity to really dig into those deep desires, those uh, macabre things, those things that you shouldn't think about, that you shouldn't get turned on by. Those things, um, they give us a really good chance to uh, engage with our morals, our, our sense of ethics, our sense of desire, our sense of what is beautiful or delicious. And then as we station direct and start to move forward, then Mars shows up. And so we get a little bit of passionate drive here. There's an excitement to like maybe try something different as we move forward. We can recall that that Mars Venus is also making a trine to Uranus. That's gonna be really good for trying some new stuff. At that same time, Jupiter is in Pisces. And so we can maybe see something or have some hope about something that we hadn't thought about before. And so, um, and then one of the other things that's going on here is at around that same time, Mercury is going to station retrograde and it's going to start moving back and it's going to conjoin the sun. And so we're going to have a Mercury Kazemi at three degrees of Aquarius that's very close to the zero degrees of Aquarius where Saturn and Jupiter conjoined um, to, to begin this two year or 200 year process or two, 200 year epoch that we're now moving into. And so whenever I think about a Mercury retrograde, that uh, is Kazemi with the sun, that Kazemi means in the heart of the sun, right? Mercury sort of like dives into the heart of the sun. Mm. <clears throat> we can think about uh, the sun as being sort of like uh, the self, the source, the light, the, the thing inside you that wants to shine out into the world, this little light of mine, right? And then Mercury as being the communicative one, the one that sort of like, um, you know, takes what I have inside and makes it intelligible to the other. We can communicate this way, right? Or we can think about ideals, right? And we can think about sort of refocusing our ideals, whatever kind of, um, as we think about moving into this future world, this future landscape, um, we can think about refocusing our ideals, especially in reference to the dead, in reference to ancestors and lineage, in reference to uh, the deep desires, the shadow work, the things that, that um, we've maybe been trying to push underneath. In reference to those things, we can refocus our ideals at the beginning of the year. And then as Venus begins to move forward, then it's like, all right, now we've got something to think about or to think with, and we can move forward on these ideals. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about like ancestor work and shadow work during this time or just next mm -hmm. year. It seems like it is um, a good time for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, there's never a bad time to start doing your ancestor practice, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but this is a particularly good one. Yeah.
Well, and, yeah, if you're not doing it, <laughs> you maybe you should start start now. Mm -hmm. You know, just spend a little bit of time thinking about what what ancestors even are, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, get even even just like a sense of reverence and gratitude for existing in on land, you know, that that can be a good place to start. If you're if you're not deep in an ancestral practice, you're not doing Daniel Fours like deep journeying and all this sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Like uh, if you if you're not in that space, but you're but you're also aware that you're that you live on stolen land or whatever it is, then, you know, mm -hmm. you might be able to sort of um, just just by having a sense of reverence and gratitude and maybe offering a gift of some sort. I make coffee every morning enough for everyone. I make coffee for me and I make coffee for the ancestors as well. Um, <clears throat> just some kind of basic practice around that is a good thing to sort of, you know, uh, keep in mind, you know what I mean? And things like research as well, um, like whose land was stolen, you mm -hmm. know, that, that you're now on and, and these kinds of things. What, what is your connection to that? And, it, and it's also important to remember that um, there's, there's deep nuance in it. Like, like I, for yeah. example, um, you know, uh, in, in my lineage, I, you know, on, on a racial tip, my mom is half white, half Native American. My dad is black, right? So that's a very complicated legacy, right? Mm -hmm. That I, I descend from both colonizer and the ones who were removed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I descend from people who were removed from their, <clears throat> from their place of origin and who are now here and who have, who have ultimately gone on to be colonizers, right? It's a very complicated legacy. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like there's a, a trend to, you know, and this gets back to that um, Venus Pluto, like, uh, I feel like I am terrible or something like this, right? Um, you know, if I if I come from people who are colonizers or who were slave owners or something like this, then I then there, there's like a sense of flagellation that needs to take place or something like this. And I don't necessarily subscribe to that as much as, you know, we, we can be with that Donna Haraway, stay with the trouble. You know what I mean? You got to be with that trouble. It doesn't mean that like if you uh, if there's a sense of like, oh, you know, colonizing ancestry and all of the despicable things that go with that. Maybe your uncle was is the one who was pictured with the mountain of buffalo skulls. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, like it that it doesn't mean that we can't condemn that, but it does mean that like there's just it's. It just means that it's so complicated. The legacy is so complicated. And that's part of what I um, I speak to, oh, I guess in April of last year, I gave a talk called Toward a Relational Metaphysics in the Era of Air. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to um, like the, the idea, the concept of being in relationship always as, um, as a way of sort of moving into and sort of uh, just existing with all of the things that are around, all of the legacy, all of the lineage, all of the people, all of the, you know, and including trees and folks as people as well. Like all of us are together and I'm a part of this and sort of like, um, and there being conversation around that is an important thing. I think this is one of the things actually as well that we can think about with that Mercury retrograde. You know, we've got these super important Mercury retrogrades throughout 2022. Um, 
you know, they're, they're involved with Pluto a lot. They're involved with the nodes. They're involved in the nodes um, make eclipses happen. And so there are going to be some super big eclipses happening in 2022 that are going to be feeding that Uranus, right? And so we've been talking about Uranus and uh, liberation, civil unrest, uh, you know, like fighting against the empire or whatever it is, right? And that, that's like on a global scale or whatever, not necessarily what's going to be happening in your life. <clears throat> but we we see that happening and eclipses are going to be there. And so Mercury is going to be hanging out with the nodes for a little while and then is going to be doing some stuff with Neptune and stuff like this. And so as we engage with these Mercury retrogrades, Mercury retrograde is a lot about miscommunication or errors or misunderstanding. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people get really afraid of Mercury retrograde because it means that shit's going to go crazy. And this might be true. But one of the things that we can really remember here is that it is by committing errors that we figure out how to live in the first place, how to do it, how to do a good job is necessarily uh, after having done a bad job many times. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is very important. It's like it, shame and blame don't really help anybody ex except for hucksters <laughs> sometimes, but everyone has a, everyone has a very complicated uh, lineage, you know, and it, it, it doesn't just going on to into that, like self-flagellation lets you be used more easily and doesn't actually help any, anything. Um, mm -hmm. But like really just a, addressing and facing uh, your lineage, whatever that is, is can be very liberating, not only for you, but for everybody. And, and then, and yeah, the ancestors are not just your physical ancestors, but also your spiritual ancestors and the spirits of the land that you inhabit the, the ancient trees that don't ex that exist anymore. The animals, I mean, all of these spirits are uh, part of your spiritual and physical um, ecosystem, you know? And, and I think that's, it's very important just to just to just to to, to address and treat treat people them as people, you know. And that's part of the the this animist mm -hmm. thing that's that's uh, that's going around, which I think is a, is a, it can be very important for a lot of people to 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 find a way to understand or to uh, ent enter into that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like the beginning of the year with the Venus retrograde and then followed by the Mercury retrograde in January, I think that that's a really good time to just engage that stuff, get an idea of what's going on. And then with that sort of under your belt, having done some of that difficult work around your own errors or your own um, you know, complicity or whatever it is that, that's going on in your life, getting that and then sort of having that as a lighthouse for you as a way to remember how to move forward or which direction you ultimately want to go or what kind of world you want to create for the descendants, right? If we've got a 200 year period going on here then and we're looking seven generations into the future, how do I want that seventh generation to, to live or what kind of world do I want them to inhabit? We can sort of spend a little bit of time in this first month of the year really engaging that deeply and using that as uh, a way to sort of maintain our focus uh, as we move through some of the more difficult and volatile stuff that we end up engaging throughout this time period. Yeah. We, we have the archetype or the, the, of the God Janus, you know, January 
looking mm. backwards and looking forward. And I think that's a great thing to do at this, at this time, regardless mm. of the astrological weather, but I think especially even with, with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then, then this spring um, in April, Venus breaks into Pisces. Where mm-hmm. She's a little bit more comfortable there than Capricorn, right? Quite a bit. Yeah. Quite a bit more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And um, so these few weeks in April may be a good time for thinking about things of like romance and the arts and, and Venusy type things, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it. it's... That that sort of stuff, the Venus stuff looks a little more naturally comfortable during that period. So Venus and Capricorn, um, and especially retrograde with Pluto, uh-huh. looks pretty uncomfortable, right? And then even as we move forward, so I've been talking about um, that that direct station and being with Mars and trying to Uranus and sextile Jupiter. I've been pretty like pro that. I've been pretty excited about that, you know. Um, but that that's kind of like that whole cocktail looks good to me um but then and i'm pretty on the like go push for it do the thing right i have a strong natal mars and so i'm like yeah let's do it that Mm -hmm. this looks really good for the mars stuff as far as venus is concerned venus has got to hang out there with with a malefic and Mm -hmm. under the rulership of a malefic and with pluto um Mm -hmm. who is not traditionally a malefic but tends to bring us shit that we don't like um and so this sort of stuff you know, just doesn't look good for the Venus things. The Venus things are like connective harmony and pleasure and, uh, you know, things tasting good and, and uh, you know, friendship and sex and all this, this sort of like uh, connective stuff. That's the Venus stuff, right? Um, in Capricorn, looks pretty uncomfortable. As we move into Aquarius, so Venus and Mars are going to move into Aquarius at the same time. Oh, where are they going to conjoin? At zero degrees of Aquarius. That's very interesting, isn't it? Um, and then, so we're going to have, after that, we're going to have Venus and Mars and Saturn all together. So this is Venus with both of the malefics, um, in between the malefics at that. So it like, you know, and so quickly, I just want to point out that, um, when we talk about benefic and malefic this way, um, Mm -hmm. benefic, um, means, so the, there are two planets, which are benefics. They are Jupiter and Venus. Those are the ones who bring us good things. And then malefics are the ones, the, those are Mars and Saturn, and they bring us bad things. They bring us evil, right? And so I just want to make sure that we're contextualizing that within the idea that it's not some kind of uh, good and evil that has something to do with morality or ethics or something like this. You know, this is not general good and evil. That's between you and your deity of choice. Much more um, malefics bring us things that we dislike. They bring us challenges, obstacles, difficulties, and benefics bring us things that we do like. They bring us things that are delicious and fun and together, cooperative, this sort of stuff. So um, sometimes lying on the couch and eating is something that's really good for you because you need the rest. And sometimes it's laziness and doesn't get you anywhere, right? And so we can see how that thing that feels good can sometimes be good and sometimes can be bad. Likewise, obstacles, challenges, difficulties sometimes can harm you and sometimes can bring you, can be the things that make you strong, right? And yeah. so yeah. when we're talking about benefic and malefic, we just, I just want to be clear that we're not talking about actual good and evil. We're talking about comfort versus discomfort, right? So then, 
as we think about Venus as being uh, an indicator of comfort, but hanging out with both the malefics, it looks hella uncomfortable during that period. So uh, when we're thinking with the, the Venus stuff, that it looks difficult to do the Venus things. It looks difficult to uh, be together and be harmonious. It looks like a lot of discord. It looks like a lot of disagreement. It looks like um, you know, one of the ways that I like to think about Venus is um, with the harmony and the fun stuff and whatever, right? But to see Venus in a rough position helps us to find the things that we like by virtue of experiencing things that we don't like. Huh. And and so um, so I feel like that is really prominent throughout that period. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, after that, Venus moves into Pisces, where Venus is now exalted. Right. So this is not only Venus moving from uh, from a deeply uncomfortable position, but moving into an excellent position. So um, exaltation is like we can think about uh, putting someone up on a pedestal or something like this. We can think about. So if what Venus wants to do is Venus things, then in a position where she is lifted up, then she can sort of like do that with more gusto, with more. Uh, reach for that kind of thing, right? And so um, to see Venus in that position kind of ever looks like a good look. But then with the ruler of Pisces there in Pisces as well, Jupiter and Venus get along very well and they both like being in Pisces. So to see both of them in that place looks really good for the for the comfort, for the, you know, the Venus and the Jupiter things. If we're looking for, um, you know, Hmm, things that taste good or things that sound good or that are comforting or potentially meaningful, um, then this is this is looks like a really good time period for that. It's a short time period. That's but, like, yeah, know, a couple we'll weeks, of April, like the last two weeks of April, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. OK. Yeah. So I mean, but, yeah, I mean, it, it goes in a little bit earlier than that. I think that uh, it's like april 6th or something like this oh okay the fifth yeah i think it's the fifth so yeah yeah april might be a good time for like planning an event perhaps like a concert mm -hmm. or something or a wedding you know out of the whole year would would you say that would be a window for like the creative mm -hmm. coming together coming together mm -hmm. coming together yeah a concert that's a really good idea um and that's that's one of these things that like um is austin really hit that on the head uh, a couple of months ago he was uh talking about the astral world tragedy and so oh. there was a concert under a mars square saturn so it was mars and scorpio square saturn and aquarius and there was a big concert and it turned into a terrible event where there was like a a, a bunch of people died there was a stampede and it was like it was it was all really terrible right yeah under that same configuration under a mars saturn square then there was a really great ufc fight Right. And so what we saw at that time was that the sky was really good for fighting. <clears throat> the sky was not really good for coming together, being happy, enjoying music. Right. Yeah. And so um, so th this can. So as we're planning things. Right. If you want to have a concert and you want to get together, hang out, uh, enjoy some music, eat some delicious food, then maybe don't do that while uh, while Venus is under siege from mars and saturn do it instead while venus is in beautiful condition so yeah. no march 
Yes, April. But right at the beginning of April, though, isn't there a conjunction between Mars and Saturn? And you wouldn't want to do it then either. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So this is this is part of the like uh, complicated nuance of the whole thing. And this is part of why you would want to like uh, one of the more, oh, you know, complicated things about electional astrology is putting stuff on your angles and uh, and keeping. So like if you use a Pisces rising chart, for example, then uh and you've got venus and jupiter in pisces on the rising so that puts them on the eastern horizon there in the sort of like most prominent area of sky then that also puts aquarius which is where mars and saturn will be into the 12th house so that puts them into a place where it the ascendant can't see them they're kind of out of the way in that moment right but if you were to do that same thing but you were to do it with aquarius rising then that would put Mars and Saturn, right? So we're we're talking about the differences in hour, yeah, right? Right. And so <clears throat> you could put Mars and Saturn on the rising and really fuck some shit up that way, uh-huh. um, if if that was what your goal was. Uh huh. Okay. So yeah, that's part of the the thing is just like move, but in general, it would probably be better to wait until after the conjunction. <laughs> yeah, well, a couple of days. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For the specific sure. for the specific time, but that's another example of like the uh, that Austin was talking about of like the low lows and the high highs. Like just a couple of days after each other, mm-hmm. you have like a really tough time and then a really great time yeah. in early April. Yeah, right. it looks like uh, it looks like a party on all fronts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then in May, Venus goes into Aries. And mm-hmm. we have a few other Jupiters there too. Jupiters yeah. in there too. So May, uh, it's a lot more like fiery energy, right? Like of getting shit done. Great, great time mm-hmm. to like get your garden in. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Big time, right? You know, especially with Aries, right? Aries is the the one that is associated in the northern hemisphere with um with springtime and with uh you know there's. Aries is thought of as being new beginnings, right? It's like when those first, that first shoot comes out of the ground, you know, with those little baby leaves. And it's like, all right, I'm here. I'm ready to be in the world, right? Um, that sort of stuff is what we think about with Aries. And to see both the benefics there, um, you know, really kind of supercharging that, that, that looks pretty good for, uh, for planting and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. And like, and I see Aries as more like short bursts of, of speed and power. Right. So that's mm-hmm. like any, any projects that you really, you, you want to get done, but, and that aren't too long of a project, that would be a great time to do that. Like infrastructure projects, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that like, you, like if you're building an Arbor or like a chicken fence or a chicken coop or that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, that'd be a great mm-hmm. time. For that mm-hmm. Yeah. We got to okay. get anything that, that isn't, is you know you wouldn't want to try to schedule your like super long term stuff stuff that you're gonna like yeah. a house yeah yeah stuff that you're gonna need to continue like you're gonna need some continuous strength for that you know um you that's Aries isn't your go to for that but um but you know like it, Saturn and Aquarius would do a good job with your long term stuff. So what you could do in that sort of situation is put Saturn and Aries like in a prominent position and then also let that uh, Aries or Saturn and Aquarius rather and then let the benefics and Aries make a sextile to that Saturn. That could be cute, you know, uh, and you, so, so also, you're empowering that Saturn. Would you have would 
uh, Mars is not going to be, it's going to be separated from the conjunction by then. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then, what? yeah, there, we're going to get a Mars sat or a, a Mars Jupiter conjunction in Aries also. Uh-huh. Which okay. again, so this doesn't look super good for the Jupiter. Jupiter's fine in uh in Aries, you know, but uh, you know, it's just just having Mars right on top of your shit can be a little bit difficult a lot of times, you know. So it's like, not super easy on the Jupiter, but looks great for the Mars. Right. So that that and that was what Austin was talking about. Well, like it would be a good time to have a, a short war. <laughs> hmm. Right. Indeed. Indeed. If that, if that's your bag, if that's what you're going for, like that, that's probably a good time to do that. Right. But it'd also be good, good to like expand your energy. Like, so Mars is, is not only war and aggression, but it's also like energy, right? Like, like a vitality in order to get to, to into, into projects or into whatever, like lifting weights or, you know, like that kind of energy. Right. Yeah. I think about Mars as being motivating, motivating. Okay. Yeah. Um, one one of my favorite examples is like, because Mars is a malefic, right? So whenever I think about vitality or general vitality or health or something like this, then I tend to think sun with that, you know, Uh, there's a gentle warming quality to the sun, whereas Mars is too hot, right? Uh So I like to think about like, um, if you sit down and you sit on a tack, then you hit that sharp thing, then that motivates you to get up immediately, right? It wasn't fun. That wasn't, you know, something that felt good, but it was strongly motivating and it got you up immediately. That's lo- the way that I like to think about Mars. Okay. Mm. And it would also, <laughs> that'd be a good time for like a forest fire or something. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, it depends on, you know, the, I tend to think about forest fires as being seasonal and right, that right. kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't know if we're in forest, we, we don't do that in, uh, in Missouri. There's, there's not too many uh, forest fires and stuff. Nothing it's like not part of the the ecosystem the way that it is in like California or whatever. Um, I'm just thinking of the expansion of that like too hotness. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely looks like that. It definitely looks like a big too hot. You know <laughs> that. Um, and so you know, I I would expect you know like Twitter beefs to be going on during that time and stuff like that as well. You know what I mean? So it's a good time to not be on social media if you don't want to get into altercations. <laughs> It's always a good time to not be on social media. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's also true. <laughs> um, but also in in general, it uh, I don't know what exactly astrologically uh, Austin was talking about, but he's he was he was saying how um, it's not good to get into any side this year because nobody's side is going to win this year. Especially. Sure. So like yeah. putting energy into. Um, you know, any, any ideological position right now is, is not going to be helpful. It's better to put your energy into your projects that you're, that you can actually have control over like your garden and so on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is one of the things that I really stress in my work a lot and is one of the reasons why I really like uh, electional astrology and, and this kind of thing, you know, timing your, your moves because there's great power in personal sovereignty right. that um, you you don't necessarily need, uh, you know, a messianic figure to kind of like give you the truth and like lead your side to victory or anything like that as much as you need to like find your niche and be in your spot. You need to root in a way that uh, feels good to you. And then if you can do that, then, you know, cause we, cause we don't expect either empire or uh, revolutionaries to 
to like win out and be like, ah, yes, it was a decisive victory for that side. Um, at, you know, definitely not in 2021. Yeah, maybe in um, 2025. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, even then, like it's it just gets really weird, you know, like and into the weirdness and into this kind of like, uh, you know, is it is it, you know, it it looks to me like it's there's there's great possibility for uh, deep sort of, uh, you know, control system dynamics that then kind of go unheeded by many. Right. You know, right. and so so it's sort of, you know, negotiating your relationship with that, I think, is one of the more important things to be to do during this time. Yeah. To get back to that. And, and again, I think I think Austin was talking about the square, the Uranus uh, Saturn square as like neither side is going to win. But I just see I see this a lot from I mean, to, to pick one issue, you know, there are a lot of people who are like really. You know, as soon as as soon as we get everyone vaccinated, then uh, everything will be be all right. Um, I think Omicron is starting to put an end to that idea. But um, the, on the other side, we have like people who are like the narrative is going to crack any moment now. Everyone's going to realize what's really happening. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see either of those those scenarios happening. It's going to be more of uh, the same as to uh, you know as Austin was saying. It's going to be the same as as twenty twenty one. We're not going to get a resolution to that. We might never, you know. Um, it's a good time to lean into uncertainty mm-hmm. or confusion, mm-hmm. you know. That's true. Um, that you know, there's true. this part. This is part of the relationality that I was talking about before. Like, there's a there's a big mess to it. It's all very entangled, and mm-hmm. um, and there, to my mind, there's not much hope of disentangling. And so instead, uh, the move is to move into entanglement get into the mess of it all right i guess it's messy in here yeah mm. and and so speaking of the uncertainty and messiness we have an interesting conjunction in april again um with neptune and jupiter and they're both in, in pisces and they mm-hmm. both rule pisces to a certain degree i mean like in the modern mm-hmm. way of of looking at astrology neptune rules pisces but traditionally in ancient astrology um, Jupiter rules Pisces. So this is mm-hmm. kind of a, an interesting conjunction. I mean, is this a good time to start a cult? <laughs> yeah, man. If you want to do that, like that's a, that's a real good time to do that. Or like um, schedule your like enlightenment, uh, like spiritual, uh, you know, vision experience, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good time for transcendent experiences, certainly. Um, for for things that are that sort of push the ba- the boundaries of the real um for for getting into imaginative experiences it, it would be a really good time to you know uh if you want if you're into you know psychonaut journeying sort of stuff or if you're into creative writing or um you know like if you if you want to do a tolkien style like develop a, a whole other world that exists that could this could be really good for that as well it's very imaginative you know, hmm. um, with with Jupiter and Pisces, I think a lot about um, if you can dream it, then it's possible, right? Um, and then Neptune is a little so Jupiter is like um, regular sized expansion, 
and Neptune is ongoing forever expansion. So it can be like right. a little too much. It's like nebulous. It's cloudy. It's un. It's you know hard to understand what's what's even going on out here. Jupiter sort of like expands to fill the container, and Neptune's like there is no container. You know, and so um, so it looks like a deeply confusing time. Um, but then, but uh, also fun. Hmm. So that's April 8th, Jupiter conjunct Neptune and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would that be, a, do you think that'd be an interesting, like, um, talisman or, or, or no, what just, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, de- depends on a lot of things in your location. Um, so right. if you're doing, if you're doing any Jupiter and Pisces talismans this year, then you're likely to get that Neptune flavor in there. Hmm. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, if we're if we're doing Picatrix magic and stuff like this, the Picatrix was written uh, probably in like the 11th century. Um, And so this is yeah, this is prior to the discovery of Neptune. And so um, so the Picatrix doesn't treat Neptune at all in there. It's just like not a thing. Right. And so, um, you know, so there's there's danger here and. Uh you know, too much idealism or, you know, like the, the ever expanding, like it's all possible. It's really all possible. There really is no spoon, you know? Yeah. And so, lost in delusion. Yeah. 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 It can, it can definitely be delusional, you know? And so, so like I said, this could be really good for a creative arts project. Um, I don't know that this would be the kind of talisman that you would want to wear out on the town all the time. <laughs> My guess is that it will probably be kind of sleepy, honestly. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can see that. It's interesting. It's just interesting to you know to see the different combinations of planets. And to me, that is especially an interesting combination because it only happens every thirteen years, right? The Jupiter and, mm-hmm. and Neptune, but then also you know Pisces, you know, is ruled by both of them, but yeah the, yeah maybe maybe it'd be a good time to like schedule a daydream or a scrying session or, mm. or something like that too yeah 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 definitely like scheduling a scrying session or something like this that that's real good thinking there right mm. like um if jupiter wants to offer meaning and neptune wants to get you into the otherworldly space then um a time when they are both in strong strong position and in position to operate together um that that's a really good time that's a really good way to think with that kind of thing right and this is going to be different from like um you know so your your chicken coop example from before right you know like if you it's maybe a good time to uh design the chicken coop of your dreams but it's probably not the time to try to begin building that thing because uh no we're we're still talking about uh jupiter but oh, no the building the building part will you build oh yeah 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 right exactly right yeah so you can you can get all gaudi with your designs <laughs> with your chicken coop you know what i mean like let it be the weirdest chicken coop that you've ever <laughs> conceived of um but maybe don't try to start construction yeah. until the the neptune conjunction is has left a little bit you know okay yeah okay so yeah that'd be a good time to plan out your garden mm-hmm. too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. plans are you know like this is this is really good for dream big you yeah. know if we're, if we, all we want to do is an anagram real quick then like big is jupiter and neptune is the dream then like dream big you know or big yeah. dreams yeah yeah that's great okay so then 
uh, May, you know, it's kind of the month to seems like to get stuff done. And then what about June? Venus goes back into Taurus, which she's happy with, but she's squared Saturn the whole time. Mm -hmm. So that's not so happy for her, right? Yeah, Venus is not comfortable this year. This is not a year for easy Venus things. Now, of course, I didn't just say that one should not try to do Venus things this year, right? Right. Uh, Because we continue to be people who need hugs, who um, are we're gonna continue to listen to music, we're gonna continue to eat food and want it to be delicious and all these kinds of things, right? These things are gonna be continuously important. But um, as the Venus stuff goes, um, it's just like every, almost every position is like, it has some kind of difficult conflict that we have to look at, you know what I mean? And so um, as Venus moves into Taurus, Venus rules Taurus and so is, is comfortable in this position doing the Venus things, but has so much responsibility in that moment, right? There's, um, you know, there's the North Node there, there's the North Node with Uranus, there's a square to Saturn, you know? And so it's, it's gonna be Venus trying to do the Venus things, but having to uh, do it along the lines of the Saturn Uranus square. So we've still got this whole, this old news at this point, right? Saturn Uranus has been a thing since the beginning of 2021 and, or since March, 2021. And, um, you know, like the, these themes around uh, order and management versus liberation, um, there, you know, and volatility, there's, there's conflict there. And when Venus moves into Taurus, you know, Venus into Taurus, this is our classic Venus with the apple, right? Like a, a, a pretty lady who, who eats something sweet. This is, that's our like Venus in Taurus image, right? Um, but then like, it's, it's hard to chill in the garden and enjoy your apple while there's, so much ruckus going on out here right and and not only is there ruckus going on but that venus is also ruling that all of taurus so ruling the the north node and ruling um uranus and so that those kinds of things are under venus's responsibility and so there's you know it's it's just not as much chilling and enjoying art and stuff as as we would like you know what i mean there's yeah. gonna be so we we might think about that time as being like cohesive to revolutionary types or to people who are, uh, you know, who are bucking the system in whatever way that they might uh, have more fun doing it at that time, right? Okay. Um, or they there there might be a, a level of like a cohesive unity in you know if we if we think about the way that uh, empire tends to operate versus um, the ones who fight against empire, the, the ones who tend to fight against empire are are typically less uh, coordinated and less together. They, they agree less than um, the, the sort of like party line empire style. Mm-hmm. And so we might see a little more of this unity among revolutionary types during this period of time. You know, it's a it's a three week period. So it's not like you know, we're, it's not like this is going to turn the corner and like, ah, yes, the revolutionaries have a cohesive uh, platform that they all agree on now or something like this. But it might be like a time when, you know, we can, when there's, uh, you know, a sense of togetherness there. Right. So um, on on July 4th, Mars ingresses into Taurus. And the last time mm-hmm. that that happened was January 6th, 2021. So, 
Yeah, we so could, you spoke yeah. of like revolutionary times. Um, so do you imagine that this period in July is going to be, you know, a time where we see like more unrest or protests or things like that? Um, definitely, we see a lot of um, unrest sort of stuff wanting to show up here. Um, the other interesting thing about not necessarily July specifically, but as we move into this time period, right? So um, July 5th, Mars moves into uh, Taurus, or it's like late on the fourth, depending on your time zone. Um, and so, but so the last time we saw the that Mars ingress, then it was um, it moved into Taurus, and then almost immediately had to interface with that Saturn Uranus. By now, Saturn and Uranus have moved, or by July 2022, Saturn and Uranus have moved a little bit later in the sign. And so we're going to sort of expect it to build up a little bit. So I don't actually necessarily necessarily expect uh, fireworks on the 4th of July. Uh, uh, get it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't necessarily expect that. But then as so as Mars moves into to Taurus a little deeper and a little further, then we also see the sun moving into Leo. Ah, and so that's ah. going to generate a T square dynamic, right? So Leo is square to Taurus and is opposite to uh, Aquarius. And so we're going to see the sun who rules Leo, who is comfortable in Leo, mm -hmm. having then to interface with this Mars, Saturn, Uranus situation. Right. right. And so, um, you know, if we think about the sun as, you know, again, the self, the source, the light, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I think a lot about like the personally sovereign when it comes to uh, the sun in Leo. I think about the you know, there's a there's a strong me component to the sun in Leo. And like I do what I want because I'm yeah. grown and I can do what I want kind of thing, yeah. um, you know, or I'm in charge of me. Um, and then so that comes into deep conflict with the um with the the ordering principle of of uh saturn and so there's there's a, a growing difficulty with that as well as mars being there just kind of like a, a thorn in everyone's side so that that looks like an extremely uncomfortable period um, well, where we I'll, really I'll, have to sorry mm -hmm. um the sun also signifies the head of state sure so in the executive branch, so like that could be some interesting stuff going on too, where mm -hmm. I mean, like mm -hmm. we have like the, the, the executive branch or the head of state, a, a, like in a T-square with <laughs> this like um, establishment uh, revolutionary squ underdog happening. Kind of. And then also Mars. I mean, like that would be, well, yeah. Mm, that's a really interesting point. Um, and this is so I wrote about this a little bit in my monthly forecast for January, because in January, we're going to see the conjunction of Saturn and uh, or yeah, Saturn and the sun in Aquarius. Right. So Saturn is really in charge there. Um, but at the same time, the sun is still the brightest object in the in the whole world. And so speaks to, uh, you know, whenever whenever other planets, anyone else other than the sun tries to get close to the sun, then they uh, are outshined by the brilliance of the sun. OK, yeah. And so yeah. I've been thinking about that as like Saturn and the sun need to come together. If we think about Saturn as manager and sun as head of state then we can think about um, how there there are differences between those points of view. But in January, we see a, a, a desire to come to an agreement, to, to come to some kind of like, okay, together we can make this work. 
Um, we, we can agree on these terms because we have similar ideals. Whereas later in August, as we see the sun coming to oppose, the sun in its own dignity, right? Rather than being in Saturn's turf and, and being like, okay, well, we really need to think about the Saturnian management of the things and how can we be secure and that sort of stuff. Then we start to see, um, you know, as as the the year has uh, gone on a little bit, then you know we've seen some of the things that are going on here, and we start to see some of these these more sovereign figures, um, you know, from the personally sovereign me or you up to heads of state. We start to see those folks starting to be like, you know what? I don't really think that I like what's going on here, and so we start we might start to see some quibbling between um, heads of state versus their managers at some point, uh -huh. and then that to me looks like a situation that Mars and Uranus and Taurus could then go on to exploit. If there's a rift in there, then Mar then Uranus and Mars are gonna are gonna find that and get in hmm. there. Okay. Interesting. So is, it, is this a good summer to be part of the revolution or not? <laughs> mm, depends on uh, what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, the, right, right, right. What is what even am the revolution at this point? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But each, you know, for everyone, every, you know, I, and we have, I think we have a kind of a lot of different sorts of listeners. Um, but you know, whatever the revolution is for them, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm always generally uh well i've i've over the years i've i've come to be more you know focus on my cabbage patch but <laughs> mm -hmm. you know sometimes there's that uh that like you know desire to or you, you fall into like a, a group group mind that is really excited mm -hmm. about stuff um and mm -hmm. i feel like well we'll see how it goes um but yeah it seems yeah, like when i think about yeah <laughs> When I think about this kind of stuff, then it's like, um, so with the, with the, this T square that we we're talking about here, like, um, if you're looking for a fight, you can probably find it. Yeah. Right. And so I can remember times in my youth, especially when, uh, you know, I had, uh, I, I was really dissatisfied with the way that the government was treating me and the people I knew and, and, you know, the, the history of genocide and all this sort of stuff. And I, I was sort of, I was, I was disappointed that I couldn't find a good fight in that point, in uh -huh. that moment. You know what I mean? I wanted, I wanted to go out and fight for my rights or whatever and couldn't find a good fight. Um, so if you're looking for a fight, then that's probably, <clears throat> this is probably a period of time where you're going to be, be able to find some fights, right? Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know how revolutionary that ultimately is Yeah. Um, and how much that you know, and by revolutionary, I mean, like, uh, like, operating from a different mode, or or bringing about a different way of doing things. I don't know that, um, like that kind of fighting in the street or whatever, or trying to fight cops or something like that. I don't know how much that is actually going to like, yield the different future that uh, that um, that you hope for in that moment. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of complicated stuff as far as that concern is concerned I, I you know this gets back to the the whole like entanglement and nuance and this kind of thing right um you know the, and that's kind of how i feel about jupiter and pisces as well is that like jupiter and pisces doesn't solve the problems that are created by the the saturn uranus square 
Uh-huh. So there's tension and conflict and fighting that comes from that square. And for the most part, Jupiter and Pisces, like, isn't really paying attention to that shit. There's daydreaming going on here. There's arts. There's like, we're looking for meaning and this sort of stuff. It's like the, this idea of being um, as a way of sort of like, um, you know, resisting or something like this. You know, if there's stuff going on in the world that you don't like, then you can try to fight that stuff, but that ultimately tends to make it a little bit stronger, right? The way that, right. um, you just, know, we yeah. see men's rights groups yeah. showing up and this kind of stuff, right? There's this, like, uh, this fight against the patriarchy that sort of, like, goes on to spawn men's rights groups. And it's like, ah, oh, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean to make more enemies, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Whereas, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's something about, like, this relational entanglement and and maybe this maybe this idea that like um you know we don't maybe it's maybe the problem doesn't need to be solved right maybe maybe solutionism is the problem in the first place maybe i don't need maybe this isn't the kind of thing that i need to solve by putting my hands on it right once we sort of uh realize that the world is a very big place jupiter and pisces especially conjunct neptune is very good for that is very good for realizing how big the world is in general and then kind of like getting through some of those boundaries right so if there's a boundary between me and trees like i speak english and they don't right um but then jupiter neptune is going to be really good for um sort of bridging that gap and being like okay well like in this journeying space or something like that then maybe i really can listen to trees and hear what they have to say and maybe they are doing things that i'm not necessarily paying attention to that will in fact uh save the world if the world needs saving or whatever you know and it doesn't have to be me trying to put my grubby paws all over it that's a really good way of putting it yeah yeah. And I guess I think it's important to to note that, like, if you're feeling stirrings of of getting into a fight this summer, I mean, if you want to go for it, you know, do it, you know, be my guest. But right. like, and I'm not, not trying, trying to reason. say that it's not appropriate to fight people sometimes. Right. right? Sometimes of, you got to punch a Nazi and I'm not mad at that. Mm-hmm. But n- none of this is going to get resolved this year, at least. Right. 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 There, then, there we go. You also yeah. mentioned the North Node being involved here in Taurus in August. Um, with Uranus nearby. Mm-hmm. And I'm just starting to try to figure out the nodes. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate on what the nodes represent and how they come into play here. Sure. Okay, so the nodes are not actual objects in the sky, the way that Jupiter is an object, right? Um, the The nodes are mathematical points at which eclipses happen. So when there's a new moon or there's a full moon and it's close to uh, one of the nodes and close means like 13 or 17 degrees, it depends on who you're talking to, Um, but it's close to one of the nodes, then that will generate an eclipse. And so quickly an eclipse is when there's a new moon or a full moon and we normally expect to see a bright object in the skies. In the case of a new moon, a solar eclipse, then the solar eclipse is when the sun is eclipsed, right? So the the sun normally shines super brightly and then the moon moves in front of it and casts a shadow. So instead of seeing bright sun, we get dark. And so that that's an eclipse or the other way to do that is the, the full moon, um, which is when the the moon is on the other side of the earth from the sun. And then the shadow of the earth goes across the moon. And so the moon is then eclipsed. And so 
um, those happen at predictable moments. And so the, the places where those happen are the, the north node and the south node or the ascending node and the descending node. So the north node is um, thought of as a point of increase. It is, uh, it does more, more, more. It can be thought of as uh, the head of the dragon. And so as we sort of uh, think with that, then, <clears throat> you know, the, there's a lot of like hunger and there's a, it's like insatiable. All it does is because it's separated, the, the head and the tail are separated, right? And so, the head of the dragon all it wants to do is consume things it wants to do more 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 it turns things up um, it makes things happen in a really strong and uh, noticeable way whereas the tail of the dragon the south oh the north node is in the is in uh taurus for all of 2022 so that means that we're going to be seeing this north node ascending increase more greedy hungry ghost kind of style around these Uranus and Taurus themes, right? And so every time we get a planet moving through Taurus, then we're going to get <clears throat> throughout the year, then we're going to get this kind of ascending situation going on with that. And as the sun goes through there as well, as we get the sun in Taurus and that we're going to have some eclipses that happen at that time. Also, as the sun moves through Scorpio, which is opposite to Taurus, which is where the south node is, then we'll start to get eclipses during that time as well. <clears throat> south node is the tail of the dragon so rather than doing more 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 we're doing less 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 all we're doing is evacuating right we're making things disappear um eclipses are really good for making things disappear right that's what an eclipse is in the first place it's really good for um unexpected shadow dynamics to show up and so um so this is really important because um, well, it's always kind of important, but this year in particular, that's going to be with Uranus. And so it's, it's going to be strengthening and empowering to that Uranus, to that liberation principle, to that uh, situation of like, we're not going to take it, right? That's, um, that's really strong under this, under this kind of sky. And so, um, and that's, that's going to be really empowering on a, uh, to whatever's in Taurus. So that's going to be really empowering to that uh, Mars in there as well. Um, even though there are not going to be eclipses at that time, just Mars with the North Node is likely to be uh, really strongly Mars and Taurus, really strongly like want to push, want to want to fuck shit up, um, that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That Does makes, that answer your question? Oh yeah, that totally spells it out for me. Thank you. So, cool. so the the other thing about all of this is that um, it really depends on your chart too, like where these things are hitting. You know, like. Uranus is in mm -hmm. Taurus this year. So whatever house is Taurus in your chart is going to be hit with that Uranus and the Saturn, you know? So um, just like, would you care to elaborate? So for instance, someone with like Taurus rising, um, mm -hmm. how, how could this square and the stuff going on this year and the North node being there, like how could that all affect somebody with a Taurus rising or with an Aquarius rising, for instance? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So um, the easiest way to do this is to uh, make sure that we use a whole sign framework. So we're going to use, um, if you have Taurus rising, then all of Taurus is going to be your first house. And then uh, Gemini, all of Gemini is going to be your second house and so on throughout the, the Zodiac, right? And so um, 
if you've got a Taurus rising chart, then this is going to be um, North Node in your first house, right? So we're going to expect more you to want to go on here, right? The, the first house is the area of the chart, which is associated with you, um, with who you are as a person, your character, your sense of self. It's the thing that was uh, rising on the Eastern horizon. It's the thing that was coming up. It was ascending, it was rising. It was emerging out into the world at the same time that you were emerging out into the world. And so there's something here about like who you are and your sense of self, how you conceive of yourself, that sort of stuff. So with the North Node in that area and eclipses in that area, then we, we might, and especially with Uranus going through that area as well, then we might be seeing things like um, wild and unexpected changes in who I am as a person, how I decide that I want to be in the world and how I want to move in the world and operate and how I want to be seen by the world and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, is likely to go through some major and fairly unexpected changes. You know, uh, Uranus is is pretty unexpected about the way that things happen here. Or, um, you know, eclipses also speak to sudden changes and and quick, uh, you know, like, because um, if we also think about the way that eclipses happen, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's daytime, 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 and then suddenly it's dark and they're nighttime uh animals around and the bats come out and crickets come out and so stuff like that and then an hour later we're like done and it's day we're back into daytime again right there's this kind of sudden component to it and so um these kind of sudden developments in doing more me while at the same time south node in the seventh having to do with the other person with relationships partnerships other people generally especially one-on-one -on -one dynamics that kind of thing if you're doing client work or if you have business partners if you have a marriage partner any of that sort of stuff we we're going to be looking at doing less of that less partnership less of the other person and more me we're looking at doing a big focus on me with that sort of stuff and so what you can do is you can go through that's a taurus rising right but you can go through and be like okay well where is taurus relative to my rising sign maybe i have cancer rising and so i've got taurus in the 11th or maybe i've got aquarius rising and so i've got taurus in the fourth or um you know whatever it is and so you can sort of mix and match your uh, significations uh alongside your house topics yeah cool yeah i think it's just always interesting what's important to to know you know where these these planets are actually hitting the personal chart. Right. Cause we talk about these themes for, you know, the country, the world, whatever, but there really are like specific things that will affect each individual differently too. Yeah. yeah. Trigger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's part of the, um, you know, when it gets into like really riding the waves of the time period, you know, that um, the way that I experience and um, operate alongside Uranus and Taurus is going to be affected by, you know, Bitcoin or whatever Uranus and Taurus significations you like, the price of beef. Um, but then it's also going to be, uh, you know, you're more likely to really feel it resonating in your house topic area. Hmm. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So then do you want to go back to August? Well, or did you so, have something else? Well, we're, we're kind of uh, we've already been on for a long time. I, I think we should maybe um, talk about the Mars situation at the end of the year and to mm -hmm. start moving towards wrapping it up. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so we're going to. 
Yeah. So toward the end of the year, uh, Mars moves into Gemini. So Gemini is the sign after Taurus. So we've got this Mars and Taurus uh, doing the Saturn Uranus thing. And then after that, then Mars is going to move into Gemini. And um, then we're going to see a Mars retrograde in Gemini. And so whenever we've got a Mars re- and Mars retrograde is going to stay in Gemini the whole time. And so whenever we see that kind of thing happening, then it's like seven months of Mars in the same sign. The last time we did this, it was in Aries. And so we had just like a whole lot of Mars in Aries for a really long time. That's what we're getting ready to do with Gemini. We're about to have Mars in Gemini for like seven months um, through the beginning of 2023. Um, there's, There's just a whole bunch of Mars in Gemini at this time. So you know, we spoke about Uranus and Gemini earlier. This looks like it wants to maybe foreshadow some of that stuff, um, especially if we've got all this like Pluto return stuff happening at the same time. Notably, Gemini and Capricorn don't make an aspect to one another. They are said to be averse or in a blind spot. And so we don't necessarily expect the Mars stuff to interact super hard with the Pluto stuff, but that Pluto stuff is more like a background influence. It's just kind of ongoing throughout the year and through a period of years here. And so um, in that context where we're looking at the, the you know, wellspring of the, of the undead or whatever it is, then <clears throat> Mars and Gemini, you know, um, Mars and Gemini is a time when, you know, it's really, if you're looking for a fight, Mars and Gemini or Mars retrograde is a great time to, to get in a fight. It's a, it's a really good time to, uh, you know, it's the, the way that Austin describes it is like the gloves come off during that period. It's like, we don't, right. you know, whatever the rules were, like, those are not the rules anymore. And, um, uh, Gordon actually has a, has a really good blog post that he wrote several years ago. It's gotta be 10 years ago now or something like this. It's called, why aren't you fighting dirty? And, um, and I think that that is a really good way of, uh, thinking with, the Mars and Gemini, especially if, you know, if we see a lot of sort of informational dynamics showing up here, you know, the Mercury is really strongly configured to all of the stuff that's going on. We've got that Mercury with Pluto and with the, uh, with the nodes and with uh, Neptune a little later, and then with Pluto again later, then, you know, the, this kind of like uh, information or misinformation of uh, misunderstandings, not really understanding what's going on. The intel is dicey a lot of the time here, right? Um, and so if that is what's going on here, then the, the idea of narrative or story as an aggressive move or as weapon um, makes a lot um, of sense here. I'm thinking and, you said earlier about propaganda. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, and so if we think about, you know, you say the word propaganda and it's like, okay, well, so uh, I need to be uh, on guard against, um, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, MSNBC is spewing or, or whatever it is, you know, like what, um, whatever you're, whatever's coming out of your informational network. Right. Um, but then also, you know, if we're thinking about this on a, on a personally sovereign kind of level, it's like, okay, well, do I need to get my propaganda machine together? Like, how, how am I spinning narrative and story in my life? And can I do it in a way that would be more effective or better or that could benefit me in some kind of way? Huh. It's like for an individual basis, like for yourself, like the stories you tell yourself. Yeah. Well, the stories you tell yourself and the stories that you tell in your community and the way that you operate 
um, alongside story generally? Is a story happening to you or are you writing a story as you go? You know, um, yeah, there, also, there are a lot. Say again? Well, well, like your brand too. I mean, if you have businesses or, right, and even just like, you know, how, yeah, how you appear to other people. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting to think about in that way. And important. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ways that, uh, you know, shamanic practitioners often uh, like to operate is sort of like placing you in the, in the role of storyteller in your life. And, um, and so I see this, this whole situation here, not specific to Mars and Gemini and Mars retrograde in Gemini, but this whole informational dynamic uh, situation that we're living in, in general, mm. I see that as a moment to uh, really, and that's part of the personally sovereign piece as well, right? Like um, you can tell whatever story you want, right? And so if you wanna tell a story of fear so that you are deeply afraid of whatever is going on, then that is gonna sort of play out in a different way than the story of, um, you know, like uh, doing whatever it is that you wanna do or like what, you know, there are, there are many ways to tell your story, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and who ultimately is telling your story? Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. Or telling a story that matters, telling the story maybe. And so, just for my own clarification, for time frame, is this late August that Mars goes retrograde? Mm. Mars, I don't have it in front of me, but I think that's right. Gemini, yeah. So I think it, it goes into Gemini, and then it goes retrograde a little later. Okay, so that goes. Yeah, yeah. The, the retrograde is late in Gemini, so it'll be. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's long. Okay. Yeah. From yeah, it's like the last third of the year is okay. Mars and Gemini, and then that there's, there's this retrograde, and then it continues like we we continue to have Mars in Gemini through like most of Q1, uh, 2023. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and this also for this is something that will hit people's charts very differently. For instance, if you have Gemini rising, you can. <laughs> Or, mm-hmm. or if you have like Sagittarius rising, then that's going to be, then that Gemini um, is going to be in your like seventh. Like the United house. States does. Right. So like the other people, your, your partners, romantic partners or business partners or the others, they're going to be um, they're Yeah. They're going to be spinning stories about you maybe, or uh, you're going to have some problems with uh, war or aggression. I don't know. What, what, what would yeah, you say I mean, about that? <laughs> sure. I don't want to be like, you're going to go to war with your spouse during this time, right? <laughs> that's, yeah, a, that's a terrible way to approach this. I was such but, a um, rising too. So. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. So, so you, AC is going to have it out for you, man. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that's not, that's not what I'm thinking about this, but, um, but so if I were to see that in a chart, in a in somebody's chart, right, and uh, there's a, a Mars retrograde going on, then it might be like the partner or the partnership has some important story or, uh, you know, like uh, the so Mars and Gemini, this, this could also be gossip, slander, um, you know, like uh, any of any of this kind of like. Uh, aggressive speech or something like that, like something like that might be happening to your partner, uh, right? right? So this could be something, um, if, it, if you see it happening in the seventh, then it could be your partner uh, slandering you, but it could be an event that happens in the life of your partner that then, because that's your partner, you have to deal with that too. Right. AC gets canceled. <laughs> <laughs> right. Could be, could be. 
Yeah. But also look, you know, and we would want to see AC's chart for that as well. You know, Mm -hmm. if we wanted to confirm, if we wanted to make a prediction as, as wild as that. Right. Right. But looking at like the U.S.'s chart, which, which is Sagittarius rising by the Sibley, then like you can look at, I mean, Europe, Europe is probably going to have some problems this year. We didn't really talk about that, but in a lot of ways, Europe is kind of like the USA's partner too, Mm -hmm. you know, in uh, global Mm -hmm. hegemony. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, that could, could, that could be like the, the sort of <laughs> the downfall of, of that or the beginning of the end of or e- like even the, the, the U.S.'s um, status as as world uh, hegemon, mm. maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Gordon White called it the great American divorce. He called Uranus yeah. and Gemini, Gemini the great American divorce. And I expect uh, Mars retrograde in Gemini to to foreshadow whatever happens in okay. uh, Uranus and Gemini at you know like on the on the scale of the uh, the the United States of America, um, you know it definitely you know and so that is so the United States of America is a much more warlike party than AC is right right so <laughs> so things like warfare make a lot more sense in that context right. Yeah. Um, you know, or or an angry enemy. You know, the United States has a lot of enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so so, you know, probably more enemies than you have. Right. Just like as your person. Well, I, I so, hope so. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, you know, and much more powerful enemies as well. Right. And so we can yeah. we can see the, that kind of power taking place on a much grander scale than than whatever would happen in the life of an individual. Mm hmm. But but similar themes, you know, like um, this this kind of like, um, you know, your your partner has some wild shit happen and then you got to deal with that. Right. Or um, somebody maybe even like somebody who you thought was your partner turns out to be kind of across purposes or, uh, you know, becomes a problem for you in some kind of way or something like this. You know? Yeah. And maybe if there's interaction with your 12th house, too, you know, like secret enemies or or, or w- witches or whatever. You know, there's yeah, it's very complicated. You have to look at, you know, it takes a long time just to look at any any one person's chart. But that's an interesting way to, you know, look at how at what that is triggering in your chart and in you know the the larger the macrocosm too. Mm-hmm. Um so um looking at this year, thing back of what we've talked about so far. Um, is there anything that we're like missing to have a, a, a bigger picture or anything that you think um our listeners should take away uh, from from this this talk so far. Mm, sure, sure. Well, you know, I'm I'm really big on you got this. You know. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, like you, that we're at a moment in the world where we are we're coming off of 200 years of the other thing. And we're moving into 200 years of the next thing, Mm. right? We're one year into a 200 year cycle. And so we're not at a place where we're going to have a handle on it. You know what I mean? The air cycle looks like it doesn't want to be easily handled in the first place in the way that wind is, right? It's it's hard to get a handle on wind, right? But um, especially when you've only just realized that winds are blowing in the first place, right? Um, you know, we're only at the very beginning of this thing. And so there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. There's going to be a lot of confusion. There's going to be a lot of this kind of like, um, you know, 
like it, it reminds me of what I said before about like uh, the divide between left and right and stuff like this. Like people are like, what, you know, and people who thought that they were on the left are now on the right or people who are on the right are now on the left. And it's like, this, does this even make sense anymore? Like, I don't even know what's happening here. Right. And so there's all of this like um, confusion that shows up here. Now, um, as someone who, um, you know, we can think about uh, Gordon White as being the, uh, what is it? The crown prince of chaos magic, right? Um, like <laughs> chaos is a good look for that kind of individual, right? Um, uh -huh. You can, uh, this is one of the things that Jupiter and Capricorn really, uh, you know, gave me something to think about. So Jupiter was in Capricorn at the time of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. And so uh, we had Saturn Pluto and that turned into like all of 2020, whatever that was to you, then Saturn Pluto like was strongly involved in that. And Jupiter and Capricorn. So Jupiter is uh, said to be depressed in that situation where Jupiter doesn't necessarily like being in Capricorn. Um, and but there's a there's a sense of like uh, making the best of a bad situation or diamonds in the rough or something like this. And so I was thinking about like um structures crumbling and the idea that like um there's this kind of like chaotic um you know anything kind of goes a little bit or like it's a it's a little bit like wild wild westy yeah. um and but then and, and feeling really terrified about that right and being like oh but like i you know i i was supposed to get the picket fence and I, <laughs> it was you know it like was supposed to be so good and easy and you know like it, it was all supposed to make sense and then it doesn't anymore and so there's a lot of real terror that goes along with that and, and many real tears were shed have been shed continue to be shed around that and um but one one of the lessons of jupiter and capricorn is like yo if this building hadn't fall down then we wouldn't have all these great bricks to to work with now right mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's all this sort of recycling and repurposed stuff that can be, you know, like as things fall, then it makes opportunities for new stuff to do. You know, that was, that was also the story of, um, the South Node in Capricorn at that time. Um, Kelly Surtees was talking about forest fires really poignantly before, uh, forest fires were like such a big deal. Um, and she was like talking about this idea of forest fires sort of making way for the undergrowth to um to to have its moment you know because there there isn't so much shade anymore and so there's this this kind of uh making the best of a bad situation that i think is uh really salient and so as there's chaos as things are crumbling as um you know uh the 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 promises falter the promises that you've been uh that you've been hearing about since elementary school or whatever you know as that stuff sort of falls by the wayside then you we can sort of step into a moment of like okay but now what is possible right yeah. and um and so you know and this this is how i was feeling about um at the beginning of the year with uh with venus and capricorn with the mars and all this it doesn't look super easy on the venus right it doesn't look like a lot of hugging is going on during this time right but it does look like opportunity to try something new to experiment and to experiment on your dreams and um you know and to and to really focus in your ideals um and think about your sort of like long term not just your long term like 20 30 40 years right we're talking about seven generations down the line once i'm real dead all the way dead <laughs> like what kind of world will i have created for the descendants you know 
And um, so there's a real good opportunity. If you don't like the world that your ancestors generated for you, because it's full of like mountains of landfill and, and things like this, then there's a good opportunity to sort of change our direction here. And that kind of opportunity doesn't come without chaos. And so we can be grateful for the chaos that um, that is evident during this time period. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I think that really brings this uh, Jupiter um, in Pisces with Neptune thing as like a possible way of like dreaming big, you know, dreaming that, that dream of seven generations of what you really want in this life of being able to, to imagine what you can create with the rubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having a good picture in your mind's eye is yeah. invaluable. Yeah, thinking about, you know, what you just said, I was thinking about like the white picket fence analogy of like the American dream and how I've seen over the past like decade or so that it, it's shifted from the white picket fence to like a tiny house or a van life, bus life scenario because mm-hmm. we can't mm-hmm. afford mm-hmm. the house and the white picket fence, but, you know, we can afford to like live on the road. <laughs> right. And, you know, I'm. But it might I'm, not be so bad. And it, it's not so bad. I've done it. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm excited for this year, even though it doesn't seem like it's going to be easy. I think that we're going to have some like truths revealed about, you know, our system and like the hidden, hidden class structure in the U S with the super elites. Like, Mm. um, I think we're going to see some real like shifts that take place over the next decade. And, you know, we're not going to see big change right now on like the national or international scale for the long term, but maybe within ourselves, like maybe at the individual level, we can be focusing on ourselves and our gardens and our friendships and relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always think a lot about like, you know, no matter what happens on the global scale, like they can't stop me from being dope. Yeah. Right. I'm going to be the shit no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 2022 is going to be the bomb for me. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, totally. That's one of the nice things about, you know, looking at the astrology is that you can, you can make it fit. Like <laughs> you can strategize for uh, how to make it the bomb. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's, that's part of this, like the wrestler is important. There's the notes, right. As the, yeah. as the Mars Saturn happens, and maybe you wait on your projects during that time, unless your project is to start a big fight, right. If you're running UFC, <laughs> then Mars Saturn is great for you. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so launching your thing. And I would, I would guess that UFC would have a whack fight under a Venus, Jupiter, Neptune conjunction in Pisces. You know what I mean? Like it would probably be boring on a UFC scale. Right. So think about the thing that you are trying to do and don't, this gets back to like benefic and malefic, right? Don't think about benefic as good and malefic as bad. Think about the thing that you are trying to accomplish and then choose appropriate skies for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been super illuminating for me and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and our listeners and teach us, you know, so many things about the upcoming year. Yeah. Yeah. Give thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, this is uh it's so fun to, to hang out with you guys a, a second time. This is, this is great. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can keep doing this. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a good, you know, good thing to do. Look, look, at, look ahead, look mm-hmm. behind, look ahead. Yeah, this mm-hmm. time. 
And uh, just a reminder that everyone can find more about Zamboni at ZambonifUnk.com or on Patreon um, or Instagram. Instagram as well under Zamboni Funk. Mm-hmm. It's all Zamboni Funk. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Zamboni Funk. Instagram.com slash Zamboni Funk. ZambonifUnk.com. You know, it's all, yeah. it's all under that. Yeah. Cool. And is there anything upcoming for you personally that you'd like to share or anything that you're excited about that our listeners should know? Um, it's, uh, yes, yes. Things are going to get very exciting in 2022. I told you already that 2022 is going to be the bomb for me. Um, it's looking, it's looking pretty exciting. There's some really cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, I don't think it's time to announce it all yet. There is an album that's going to come out. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, the music is going to be super dope. I'm very excited. Um, so, so you know where I'll be in April. All right. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, thanks again, Zimoni. Enjoy the rest of the day. All right. You do the same. All right.